service. We're glad to have you this morning. I'm going to start us off with a call to worship. So thank you for joining us. Okay, well, hey, if you can't see me, that's okay. At least you can hear me. Oh. All right, we're starting in two minutes. Awesome. Well, good morning, Generations Church. We're going to try this again. Thank you for joining us on our live stream. Be sure to share with a friend. Let them know that you're joining us. And just encourage people to tune in. I want to start us off with a call to worship. Today our call to worship is Isaiah 41.10. The Lord says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Would you, uh, would you guys just pray with me uh, from your homes, from wherever you're live streaming this. Father God, we just want to take advantage of this moment and, and really make the best of it. And just look back and see how, how you just worked all things together for your good, Lord. So from the comfort from our homes, Lord, would we, would we just get on our knees? Lord, would we lift our arms? Lord, would we bless your holy name? Lord, we just pray for this time. We pray for this season. Father God, would you be with us? Would you comfort us? Help us not to panic. Lord, because you are sovereign. We know this. Amen. Let's worship, guys. Worthy is the land that was slain. Sit on 
Father God, we thank you for this time. We just pray for this service. May it impact people over Facebook, over the social medias, Lord. Would you be involved in this, Lord? Would you have your hand in this? Would you reign over our current season? Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Generations Church and any of you that are joining us. Uh, today's format is going to be a little bit different. And so, first of all, we're really glad you're here. Um, it is really weird to be in here, and we have more volunteers than people attending, and so 
I'm glad you're online. Uh, I was looking at the live stream just a minute ago, and there are a ton of you. And so, if you consider Generations Church your home, this is our worship service for the next three Sundays today and at least two more. We're hoping then, Palm Sunday, we will be back together, but we are waiting and, and listening and talking to the state, or not talking to, but listening and receiving from the state of California and us really nationally. And so if you're joining us today and you have questions, really the, the three greatest values in us moving to no in-person gatherings are this, and, and if you've seen the, the live videos that we've done up until now, you know this already. One is that we believe that we are called to be submitted to authority. Romans 13.1 says that there is no authority except what is put in place by God and that we are to submit ourselves to that. So up until the point where some authority tells us we are to denounce Jesus and do something crazy, we're going to submit to authority. And so we're going to do that by meeting digitally. For us, it's super easy. We already do this, and so many of you have already watched online many times in the past. The second reason is to love one another, right? We have people that are vulnerable. We have people with immune deficiency diseases. We have seniors. We have brand new newborn babies uh, and babies that are going to be born soon in this period of time. And so we want to love one another. We want to love the most vulnerable. The third thing is our Christian witness. And I really came to the conclusion that if everybody who is their business and everything that they depend on for a living, Disneyland, the NBA, you know, March Madness, all the sports leagues pretty much from racing on out to baseball, they're going without. And so if they are going to do that, how arrogant or how, man, how would it be if we didn't? So our witness to the world is super important to us. And so today's format's gonna be a little different. We're gonna kinda, Joe, open us up with some worship. I wanna talk to you for just a minute about where we are and how you can be a church via distance. And then we're going to worship a little more. And then we've got a shorter message today. We're gonna wrap up our Not Your Treasure to Bury series. And then we will close with worship and prayer. And so I wanna read this verse to you and we'll put it on the screen for you. Mark 36 says this, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling with water, but Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to them, and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? The disciples in this moment are afraid. There's a storm that is taking place. And in this moment, they are afraid. They wake up Jesus, and I love this. Here's Jesus' response. Jesus looks to the waves, looks to the storm, and he says, Peace, be still. I think in the, in the wake of a pandemic globally, a virus that is just now growing in the U.S., but is globally a big threat, as we pause, we should know this, peace be still, is what Jesus said. To any storm in your life, whether it be this or anything else, Jesus speaks to even nature, says, peace be still. And so if the coronavirus is something that causes anxiety or fear to you, Jesus says, peace, be still. It's Christ's peace that we rely on, whether we live 
whether we die. We have great peace, great joy because of Jesus. So I want to I give you just kind of some, some how are we going to do this? What is this going to mean? And so I'm going to put a graphic on the screen for you. Uh, and I'm, I want to ask the question, how can we remain a church, be a church when we don't meet together physically? And so I've got a graphic. We put it up yesterday. We're putting it on the screen right now. These four things. So search out our app in the app store, right? Find our app. Our app will be a place where we will communicate to everybody. Right now, we've been going to as many mediums as possible just to make sure we get the word out. And so we will move to using our app, the push notifications. You can download our app. You can go to notifications. You can choose which ones you want. Go to and choose, select all church notifications, and we will get things out to you. And uh, we will make sure that we communicate well. If you need to contact us for any reason at all, and it is not an emergency, email info at generations.email. The next one is the deacon line. The deacons have a 24-7 line for any emergency. You can call that line day or night. Any emergency, uh, anything we need to know that is urgent, you can call that phone number, 562-588-2044. And then finally, giving. As a church, we value giving and tithing our offerings. We value that as a part of our worship. And so you can give online the simplest way. You can give through the app. You can give through CCB if you use our database. There's a lot of ways to give, but if you don't, this is the simplest way. Genfamily.church is our website, and if you go to genfamily.church slash give, you can give. And so how can you help us be a church when we're not meeting together? And so I want to give you some things. Please, every Sunday when we get together, we ask everyone to open up the app and check in, right? That lets us know you're here, and, and it lets us know, more importantly, who is not here, so that we can follow up with people. And so we're asking everybody now, more than ever, will you check in every name that is watching with you? Will you go to the app, will you check in? I know if you're watching on your phone and that's where you have your app, I know that's hard to do. And I put out a little video last night just saying, hey listen, maybe considering two different ways, you know, live streaming on an iPad so you can check in on your phone or follow along the notes, the Bible. Um, but prayer requests, we wanna know how to pray for you. This doesn't stop. Our ministry, the church, nothing we do will stop. Checking in, sending us your prayer request, that is easily done through the app. If you don't have a smartphone, if, you, if that's not something that's for you, um, by all means, info at generations.email. Send us that you were here with us, who was watching with you, and any way we can be praying for you. Consider this. There is bound to be in the days to come, as with each couple days, the number of known cases in America seems to be doubling every few days. And so as that happens, as we begin to social distance ourselves, that'll slow it down, but we're bound to get more before it slows down. And that means that somebody we know, somebody we love may get this. Most cases are not fatal. Again, we're not doing this out of fear. We're doing this out of an abundance of caution. But we want to know. And so again, we're not afraid if you get, I don't even care if it's coronavirus, you get it, we will come to you, we will serve you, we will pray with you. We will bring you whatever you need, meals, you name it, we'll be there for you. We're a church. And so we're doing this in compliance, but we're not fearful. Jesus Christ said, peace, be still. So please check in. Please send us your prayer request. If you're a guest, download the app, check in, message us on Facebook, whatever. We're going to be checking all our platforms far more regularly than we normally do just to make sure that we can reach out to you. Send us your prayer requests. Again, I've given you the emergency line through the deacons. Families with children, know that more info, probably starting tomorrow, will be coming out to you. 
we will provide to you ways that you can teach your children about Jesus in the absence of Sunday school, in the absence of our Gen Kids family ministry. We will provide for you crafts and lessons, things that we can do together. We'll send you videos, things you may know nothing about Jesus and want to teach your children, we'll provide it for you. And so again, if you're a guest or if you're not regularly a part of this and you'd like to be a part of that, email us at infogenerations.email. We will care for you in this time. Tithes and offerings are more important than ever, and it's for this reason. Imagine that there are people that attend this church or people that we know in our community that will be impacted by this virus. They may lose work. They may get sick. Anything could happen, uh, however that works. And so we want to be available to help care financially, help care with meals, whatever it is. And so for us, ministry goes on. In fact, in this scenario, ministry ramps up. We will do more in this season, not less. And so again, our tithes and our offerings, those become a huge part of how you contribute to us being a church, even when we're not in person together. So finally, if you are, if you do, if you are now or become affected by this virus, we want to serve you. We want to care for you. If you're in the greater Long Beach area, Orange County, that area, we want to care for you. If you're out of town, reach out to us. I will find someone locally that will care for you. In this season, again, I want you to hear this. Generations Church and anybody joining us, we will do more in this season, not less. So please connect with us. Stay in touch with us. Let us know you're there. We want to care for you. I'm going to ask Joe, will you come back up? Will you lead us in another song, please? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with the steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Sing this together. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Oh, all my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul. Worship Your comes up the sun comes up it's a new day dawning it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 
worship your holy name. You're rich in love. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on thousand reasons for my heart to find so bless the Lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his holy name we'll sing like never before oh my soul I worship your time has come oh still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forevermore evermore so bless the Lord oh my soul oh Take this time to pray over Pastor Jeff as he comes up and gives us our message. Lord, would, would you be with Pastor Jeff? I understand these are new circumstances. So um, whatever may be distracting him or taking away from what needs to be said, Lord, would you just have a hold on that and, and move it aside, Lord. Give him clarity, help him to focus. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And it is weird. It's weird to be in here without everybody here. Um, but I was. I was watching the live stream on my phone. I, I had it open while we were worshiping and uh, just following along with some of the names and some of you that are joining us. And so um, literally, if, if just by a hard count, there's uh, with people watching together, it's like it's a full room. There is so many of you that are worshiping together, joining us online. And I, I'm just super grateful. So just know the people that would be here normally and the people that are live streaming normally, uh, plus some, are here. And so this is a church. Our church is never defined by the four walls that we have around us. It is never just that. And I watched as family after family said they're here, you know, four, five, six people worshiping together. Some, my wife at home, live streaming, and this is her normal way of participating in church. I know we've got somebody in Vegas who live streams all the time. We've got family and friends in Tennessee, people all over the place, friends I haven't even talked to in a while, um, people from different areas, high desert. I saw several of you. So amazing. I'm glad we're here. 
I'm glad we can do this. If you're our guest today, if you're here, you don't attend Generations, if you don't know who I am and you've clicked on because somebody else is sharing this with you, I want to say thank you, welcome, please connect with us, please find a way to send us a message, let us know that you're here. Uh, I'm incredibly grateful for this opportunity. I want to open with a passage as we normally do. Uh, we would normally stand up, but I can't tell if you're doing that at home or not, so go ahead, stay seated. I hope you're there in your PJs and doing your thing. Uh, Genesis chapter 4 says this, starting in verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. This is a story that we have known and been told if you grow up in the church or if you have kids in the church, this is such a, a familiar story. Um, I know I heard it when I was young and, and I never understood it. And there's some key words in it. Cain brought to the Lord an offering. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So here's what takes place. If you're unfamiliar with this passage, this is the second generation of humanity. Sin has already entered into human existence, human beings. People are corrupted by sin now. Those people have children, the second generation of humanity ever. And they go into worship, and here's what really takes place. Cain goes in and he worships it in a way that is convenient and comfortable for him. Abel worships the way that God has prescribed Cain brings an offering, something. It's not that Cain doesn't show up. It's not that Cain doesn't give something. It's that Cain comes and he brings something convenient. Abel brings his best. He brings the best, the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. He gives what is most sacrificial and costly to him. God honors Abel for that, for him bringing his best and living as God has prescribed for him to do. And for Cain, God calls Cain to repent. Basically, that's the story. Cain gets mad, Cain drifts. And God has to go reconcile Cain back to worship. And so that's what we're talking about today. We're going to wrap up our series called Not Your Treasure to Bury. We're going to finish with It's Not Your Worship to Bury. It's Your Worship is Not Your Way. And so it's this. Christians typically worship on their own terms. They give what is financially convenient, Attend and serve only when nothing else interferes and keep the gospel message to themselves. Then we wonder why God isn't more present and powerful. We're going to keep this slide on the screen for just a minute. But I, want to hear, I want you to hear this. Our worship must be obedient to what God has called us to. Christians typically today do what is convenient. God has called us to do what he has prescribed for worship. We're talking about worship in the context of far more than just singing, but how do we worship in the community of faith as it relates to the local church? I'm going to pray one more time. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. Will you pray with me? God, as we gather this morning, I'm just asking, would your Holy Spirit be present here, be present there? 
just like church is not confined by these four walls, it is not even limited by the internet or a Facebook platform. God, your church cannot be stopped. In the same way, your Holy Spirit is all present everywhere, always. And I'm praying that that would be uniquely evident in each home, in each living room, or anywhere anyone is streaming this message. God, help me. It's hard not to have faces to look at. And I miss, I miss my church. Help me, Lord, today to speak in such a way that goes through the internet and out to the heart of every person, Lord, because of your word, not mine. As we always say, it's your word that brings life. My words do nothing. So God, I'm just a vessel for you, just a conduit for you. Help me to get out of the way and bless everyone through your spirit, through your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 12 today. If you've never even heard of that book, or if you're not sure where it is, it is in the beginning of your Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, fifth book, Deutero. Deutero is the second giving of the namas, is law, right? So it's the second giving of the law. That's what that name of that book means. Uh, a very, very important book in Jewish history, as this is the law given to regular folks. Genesis, the beginning. Exodus, the removal of the people of God from Egypt. Leviticus is the worship, is the rules for worship given to the leadership, the priesthood, the Levites. Numbers is what God is doing in the people, and then Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law, but a focus shifts, and it's to the people. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 12. I'm going to start with verse 1. Normally, we would, we would have you here in the Bible and having your own Bible, uh, but we're going to put a lot of verses on the screen today just to make it easy for you, so I hope it helps. Deuteronomy 12, starting in verse 1, says this, these are the statutes and the rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that the Lord the God of Israel, or the God of your fathers has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. These are the statutes and rules you shall be careful to do, God says. In the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on earth. So there is a command for all the days that you live on earth. And so, again, that fast forwards all the way to us here today. God is directing the people now as they will eventually be coming out of the desert. This is before they settle in the land. And God is directing them that when you settle in, when you get to the land I'm giving you, when you get to the place where I'm going to put your tribe, and so the nation has many tribes in it, and the tribes will each get land, and when I move you, your tribe, to a particular place, I will give you that land, and you will worship. You will set up worship to me there. And God says, these are the statutes and the rules that you should be careful to do all the days that you live on the earth. I want to liken that today to Generations Church. Now, God has blessed us with this place here in Cerritos that we call home and that God has given us this. And we are a tribe, if you will, unto ourselves, a local church. And so this is to us the same that I have, God would say, I've blessed you with this place. I bless you with a, with a physical building. I've blessed you with a live stream audience. I've blessed you with platforms that other generations never had so that you can be a church, you can be a community to one another. And then God would say, and I'm just going to translate into a modern day way of saying it, now here's how I will have you worship. Verse 2, Deuteronomy 12 says this, you shall surely destroy all the places where the nations with whom you shall dispossess 
served their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. So God is calling the people as they move into the land to destroy all the foreign idolatry and altars. So they are moving and they're going to move into a land where other people exist and worship false gods. And for that reason, God is going to give them that land. And his first command is, listen, you will worship me the way I call you to worship me. You don't get to make up your own rules. I'm going to prescribe to you how you worship. What is glorifying to me, God says. And he says, your first step is you destroy all the foreign idols. You destroy the places where, God, where, where they worship. The other people worship false idols, false gods. You will destroy it. Today, as you're listening today, I, I want you to consider foreign, the word foreign as rather than un-American or un-Israel, if you will, I want you to consider unbiblical. And so unbiblical ways of worshiping. And so this is true. The Israelites are going to go into a land. <clears throat> They're going to move into a place where people did unbiblical, counter-biblical, against God things. And God is saying your first step as a follower of mine is to destroy that to get rid of those ways that people have set up on their own to worship in their way, destroy that. And we will start together from a place of purity. <clears throat> Verse two, I'm gonna start there again. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess served their gods. Notice the little g, false gods. On the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree, you shall tear down their altars, verse three, in pieces, their pillars, and burn their asherim, those are false gods, idols, with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. This is a call to destroy anything that is contrary to God, any worship that would corrupt Pure worship. So let me give you a, a super relevant example today. As everybody's talking about coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, everybody's talking about it. And so just imagine yourself in a space with somebody, you're, you're breathing air, you're at your home, you're in a public space, we're here right now, there's about eight of us here, seven of us here. And just imagine, we believe we've got some clean air that we want to breathe. Now, how much coronavirus do we want in this air right here, right? How much do you want, now Lucky's the only person looking at me, and he says zero, right? So how much do you want in your house? Like how much is too much? And I know right now, no matter if you're panicking from this, which I hope you're not, you should not be, or if you're completely calm, but you're just a realist knowing what's going on, we would all say this, we want zero of that virus in our space. That's what God is saying. Anything else you bring into worship that is not of me corrupts it. It makes it diseased, if you will. So if you're a note taker, here it is. Destroying false worship. Israel's tendency was to destroy most foreign idols and altars, but keep some things of value. This infected their worship by mixing idolatry and greed with worshiping of God. We do this today by combining what God wants with what we want. I want you to hear that again. We do that today by combining what God wants with what we want. Like a virus, the things that we want drift into our worship, and they corrupt it and disease it, and they make it not what God has called us to. Deuteronomy 
Here's what God says. You shall not worship the God, uh, your God in that way. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. In what way? In any way you want to. That's what he's saying. You don't get to choose how you worship God. Just consider ourselves for a minute. What are the things that we choose our church based on? Do we choose a church on, based on preaching style or worship style? Do we choose a church where God has placed us and we feel called to? How do we choose this? Is it about obedience to God or is it about something we want? We could press this even farther. How do we worship? How do we choose to worship God? Do we, do we do it by giving everything of ourselves? Do we do it by being sacrificial, giving of our best, tithes, service, our time, our community, giving ourselves to one another? Or do we give what is convenient? It's that Cain and Abel story all over again. Cain comes and brings what is convenient. Abel brings what is hard and what is sacrificial and what is prescribed by God. Where are you? Where are we? And I know in all of us, there's a bit of that what we want. And God says this, you are not, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. Verse five, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes and put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock. So God is calling them to trust in him. He will provide a place, right? He will give them a place to worship according to his plan, not their plan. He will provide for them a destination, a land, a space, and he will provide to them a way to worship him. It's much like God calls us as a church, right? Or an internet church. Like this is, if you're here today, you are doing what God has called you to do because we're obedient, we're being compliant and obedient to what the state has asked us to do. That honors God, right? There, I'm sure there are people, maybe not from our church or from anybody around here, but I'm sure there's gotta be people today that are frustrated that their church isn't meeting. Man, the entire country of Italy has shut down everything. No services anywhere. And so, again, I'm sure there are people that wish we were gathering together. But we're being compliant. And, and in that, we're being compliant as a way of being obedient to God. And in that, that's what God is calling us to do. So there you shall go. There you shall bring your offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and your contribution, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, the firstborn of the herd of your flock. God says... In the place that I give you, that's where you're going to worship. In the place that I give you, that's where you'll do what I've called you to do. In the place that I give you, that's where you'll give, you'll serve, you'll sacrifice, you'll, you'll give of yourself to other people. So here's a note for you. True worship, it's where and how God chooses. The Israelites were to seek a location for worship, to worship, much like we do for a local church. Then, when they got that, they, that is where we commit to attending, belonging, giving, serving, and reaching out to others in obedience to Jesus. Just like Israel, they were to be given a land, given a place. And when they went there, they were to then set up worship as God had prescribed and do the things that God called them to do. We do the same. We find where God has called us to connect to a local church and that's the place where we give. That's the place where we serve. That's the place where we give ourselves to others and receive from others. We take that and we, we follow in obedience to God. 
Verse 7, and there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, and all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. There is where you're going to eat before the Lord, he says. This is where you will rejoice, you and your households. It isn't just about coming and doing something that is hard and sacrificial. That's a piece of it. But he goes on, that's where you'll rejoice, that's where you'll eat, that's where you'll give, that's where you'll have a family of families. He says that it's not just this church is this place where I give of myself and I get nothing. It's, it's this place where we worship as God has prescribed, the way God has called us to, the place God has called us to. But that will, we will find ourselves rejoicing. We will find ourselves fulfilled when we do that. Church is not this place where it, it is some sad place or a hard place or difficult place we force ourselves into going. It's this place where we love to be. It's a people that we love to be a part of. And giving, our generosity, it's something we love to do. And serving, it is giving of ourselves. It is something we love to do. Community in our fast-paced, busy world. Community is hard to make time for, but we love it enough to give ourselves to others and allow them to give of themselves to us. And that is what God has called us to do. There is joy in all that. Verse 8. You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. We'll keep that one up for a minute. I want you to hear this. You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, Everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. We don't get to come to God on our terms. We don't get to choose how to worship God on our terms. We don't get to do whatever is right in our own eyes. That is a phrase that is repeated all throughout Scripture. Each person doing what is right in his own eyes, and it is never, ever in Scripture a place where they're being obedient. When we get to that place where we do what is right in our own eyes, we set ourselves above God, over God, an authority over how we worship God or how we obey God. Whenever we do what is right in our own eyes and it conflicts with God, what God has called us to, we're putting ourselves as an authority over God in our lives. We're pushing God off the throne, taking Jesus off the throne of our heart, and we're sitting down in that place where only Jesus should be, and we're giving ourselves authority that we should not have. And I'll say this from experience, that never works out well for us. This is Cain and Abel. Cain decided, hey, I'm going to put myself in a place where I'm going to do what I want to do. Abel says, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And God honors Abel for that. God calls Cain to repent. It's not that he sends Cain away. Cain gets angry. But God speaks to him and calls him to do the right thing. If this is you, if this is me, it's always me. I always struggle with my way versus God's way, as do you. God doesn't push us away, reject us for that. He may reject what we're doing. He does not reject us. He calls us to live in the way that he has called us to. Now, ultimately, that's the gospel, that there's a God who created us, designed us, loves us, made us, and made us to be worshipers of God, made us to be obedient and glorifying to God. But sin entered into human history. All the sins that we read about in Scripture that predate us, and then we got to be a part of this, and we added sin upon sin upon sin. We started piling on all the brokenness in the world. And our tendency is to do things our way. 
And it's that sin that has separated us from God. Again, God didn't kick us out. God calls us to repentance. But because we were separate from God, because of the curse of sin over us that we have inherited and we have contributed to, God entered into human flesh for us. In Jesus Christ, God became flesh. God li- or Jesus lived the life that we have been called to live perfectly without sin. And then he went and he gave his life to reconcile us to God. That his sacrifice on the cross was this. His death was to give us life. His being buried in a grave was to cover the penalty for our sin in our place. On our behalf, he gave his life. Then as Jesus raises from the dead, he does so to give you and me new life. He ascends back to heaven to pour his spirit out on humanity that we might live in obedience to God the Father through the power of Jesus and the application of that power to us through the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. And if you're listening here today and you've never heard the gospel, there's a God who loves you. No matter your sin, no matter your brokenness, no matter what you've done or been done to you, that God desires to reconcile you to him, fully reconcile you to him. So much so that he gave his son, God in the flesh, who Jesus would die for you, has died for you. And that resurrection applies to you that you can have new life no matter what your life is. And if that's you, seriously, please, I ask, email us, message us on Facebook. We want to talk to you. We want to pray with you. We want to answer your questions. We want to serve you in any way we can. So back to the passage, Deuteronomy 8, uh, 12, 8, excuse me. We're going to read that again. You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For you have not yet has come to the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God is giving you. Not only shall you not do what you think is right, or every person thinking what is right, they just do that. He says this, you have not yet come to the rest and to the inheritance that your Lord, your God, is giving you. Now, there's some implications for Israel receiving land here that have already been fulfilled and that has gone away, but there's some implications to you and I too. There's the spiritual fulfillment of this as well, that when we worship God on our terms, doing things our way, here's the outcome. We don't receive everything that God has for us. We typically talk about here at Generations that, that God is pouring out, God is the one who desires to shower us with blessing. And, and really, that blessing is like his hand just kind of over our life, laying on our lives. Just his hand guarding us, healing us, redeeming us, protecting us, leading us, guiding us. But when we reject him, his, he calls us to, to stop, to repent, to return. And he keeps his hand there calling out to us like he did to Cain. Hey, listen, you, if, you, if you do this, Sin's desires to rule over you, but you don't have to. Come back to me, and he keeps his hand on us. But as we continue to go our own way, as we continue to reject God, he slowly just lifts his hand of blessing off of us. And he leads us, he leaves us to the natural implications of our decisions of not following him. Always there, always waiting, always listening for us to call out to God. God, come back. Jesus, save me. Come, Lord Jesus, come. You have not yet come to the rest and the inheritance that your Lord, your God, is giving you. None of us have received everything God wants to give us. The thing that stands in the way right now of everything God wants for us is sin. And we will struggle with that for as long as we're alive, but we will draw nearer and nearer if we are constantly surrendering ourselves to be obedient to God. So if you're a note taker, true worship is what's best for us. 
When we worship God as he has commanded, the outcome is greater than we could have imagined. The healing, the forgiveness, redemption, comfort, peace, and more well up from the gospel of Jesus into us. All that God has for us is awaiting us to submit and surrender to God. Deuteronomy 12.10, but when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, when he gives you the rest from all your enemies around so that you live in safety, here's what he begins to prescribe to, to tell them. When you live as I've called you to live, when you do what I've called you to do, when you find that local church that I've called you to, when you begin to give of yourself and of your time, your talent, your treasures, whatever it might be, when you live as I have called you to live inside the community of faith, he says this, listen, that's what I give you as an inheritance, and I give you rest from all your enemies around. So here's a note for you. True worship is true rest. When we worship as God commands, we rest in God as our provision and protection. No enemy, political divide, or global pandemic can steal away the security, peace, and rest found in Jesus. Nothing can get in the way when we are under God's hand. When we live as God has called us to live, we receive from God far more than we could ever dream up on our own. Verse 11, we'll close with this. Then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command you. Your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present, and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. Deuteronomy 12:11 circles back to the very thing that God began with. When you have that place where I have given you, modern day context, if you're a Christian today, when you become a part of the church that I'm calling you to be a part of, and, and hear me when I say this, if you're in this local area, it's here. If this is your home, it's here. If you're not in this area and you live stream our service for whatever reason, health reasons, distance reasons, or just reasons unknown to us, that you live stream, if this is your church, if we are your church family, then this, and this is the place that God has called you to, this is where you give of yourself. If you're local, maybe that means instead of just live streaming, attend. Maybe if you can't catch us at this time and you, jump, you watch live stream later, you watch an uploaded video, whatever you do, you find a community group or a study or something you could be a part of. All of those this week, you'll hear more information today, a lot more tomorrow. Everything we do is going digital. Any meeting we have, we're giving the opportunity of putting it on a platform where we can engage with one another from distance. The four walls we have don't define us. The offices, classrooms, everything we have, none of that defines us. We will gather, we will care. When you find that local church, that's the place. That's the place where you give of yourself and you receive from others. And in that place, that's where God pours out his best on us. Ultimately, that's what we all want. I'm going to close with this last note. Our response to worship God, our response is to worship God more. When God provides for us, it should cause us, excuse me for the typo, when God provides for us, it should cause us to worship and obey God more. More sacrifice to God, more obedience to God, more repentance of sin, more generosity, and more praising his name. The more God pours out on us, it should cause us to live more sacrificially, more obedient to God. And again, then we will receive more from God and we will give more to God. And I'm not, this is not some give so you can get rich or do this so God will heal. There's none of that. 
It's that the more God loves you, the right response is the more you love God back. The more I love my wife, the more my wife loves me back. I can tell you of decades of marriage that is so true. And I can tell you of those same decades of living under Christ, the more I receive his love, the more I live the way God calls me to live, the more I follow Jesus, the more I get. I don't do it to receive because I've received more than I will ever deserve. I do it because I fall in love with Jesus more and more as I obey him. And you'll find that to be true too. Generations Church, let me pray with you. God, as we lay, as we lay ourselves down to you, some of us, it's just this. This is that sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of, of not being together, of, of not getting together. It's the sacrifice of setting up something in our living room and gathering the family around a screen so that we can be together virtually. Sometimes it's serving when our lives are so busy and we're so tired. Sometimes it's giving financially when we struggle to make ends meet. But we find in our obedience, we find in our faith when we trust you, you provide. You provide for us time. You provide for us energy. You provide for us financially. You provide for us relationally. And you provide us in a church. Ecclesiastically is what I was going to say, but in the church, you provide. And so, God, I thank you for everybody who's with us, Lord, as we, as we sing another worship song to you and as we close in scripture and, and worship, may we lay anything that gets in the way of us being fully obedient to you, may we lay it down to you today. I pray that in these living rooms and places where people are gathering, that they would begin to talk today about what they have that gets in the way of following you. What did this message mean to them? What is God calling all of us, independently, individually, or as families, what is God calling us to do different in obedience to our faith? Jesus, you obeyed everything when you humbled yourself and put on flesh. You obeyed everything as you lived a sinless life. You were obedient to the point of death, Scripture says. And because of that, we have life. So Jesus... There is no other name on earth or in heaven that anyone is saved. And so we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Exodus 15, 11 says this, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory deeds, doing wonders? Let's continue worshiping, church. Lord of all creations, of water, earth, and sky, the heavens are yours. Tabernacle, glory to the Lord on high, God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your destiny. You are holy. Oh 
Church, um, our president even, has called for a national day of prayer about this virus. And uh, I think it's a great way to honor not only those who have called us to things, but it is the first response that Christians should have, that we should be prayerful. Um, I am so grateful that you joined us, and so many of you were able to be a part of this. Um, but I, I hope, and, and we'll get to look at some of this later and just go through comments and connect with people. And I hope that if you're a guest, that you joined us today and that we can serve you as a church. I want to read this verse and then I want to close us in prayer. And I do want to pray for the world, uh, for a, a, what is a global pandemic. And I, and I say that I don't use those big words in any way of saying we're fearful, we're not fearful. Uh, we're, we're not fearful. And again, I'll repeat, if you get sick with this, we will, we will love on you and serve you and care for you. But as we look at this, and it, and it, and it affects the, the world so much, it is right that we should begin in prayer. Second Chronicles in chapter 7, it says this, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence, which is disease, 
among my people. Here's what's going on. God is speaking to Solomon as they have built the temple. So they've moved past that era of tabernacling and, 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 and temporary worship. And they're setting up the temple, the one that David wanted to build, the one that Solomon got to achieve for him. And God says, I'm going to put my presence there. But when you walk away from me, and when you don't listen, you don't return, and I lift my hand off, when I remove myself, and even if I cause disease or pestilential locusts or anything, here's what you do. Verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. He says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. When this happens, God says, when something catastrophic happens, if my people will humble themselves, and I, and I, I believe that's what we're doing here, and almost pretty much every pastor I know has humbled themselves to go digital. Even the ones that don't have digital platforms are figuring it out. If my people, God says, if you're called by Christ's name, you're Christ's people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God says, I will hear from heaven, forgive your sin, and heal your land. And so in accordance to that, we're going to close today in prayer. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we are called by your name. We are Christians, those who find their identity, their life, and their faith in you, Christ, the promised one of God. And we humble ourselves. We know here, Generations Church, us in this larger kind of Long Beach area, Orange County area, we know we don't do it all right. Here in Cerritos or even in our live stream, our, all, those that call this church home, we know first and foremost we don't do it right. And so we humble ourselves before you. We, we confess our sin to you. We confess that we often approach you in ways convenient and ways we desire. Doing what we think is right in our own eyes or we convince ourselves is right. So we humble ourselves and we pray and we ask that we could seek your face, that we would look to your eyes and your face, not just your hands to do for us, but that we would seek you, your character, your beauty, your majesty, your word. That we would pray. And so God, right now, I pray for our world. I pray that this, this virus would go away. I pray that you would make your name famous through it somehow, some way. And I pray in America that we, would, that we would take one for the team, that we would start practicing that social distancing that we know will stop the spread. Help us to stop traveling. Help us to stop meeting. Help us to just, again, I just take one for the team. Just kind of suck it up within ourselves. And do things that are difficult right now for the betterment of everybody. Jesus, we have no fear. We have life and death. We have you covering it all. As you said to your disciples, even if you die, you still live. And so, Jesus, we know all our trust is in you. We pray for our world. We pray for our nation. We pray for our church. May you stop this spread, and will you draw us near to you? Jesus, it's in your name, your powerful name, we pray. Amen. Generations Church, Facebook, live stream, all of you, we love you. God bless you. We'll see you soon.